I have found the key Honey darling, you believe Lonesome roads we've seen Well honey darling, keep your eyes wide and see That we can join our hands And take for hours all of this land Honey darling, you understand if it's hill in your heart, I can. Mercury is out in the back, so hopefully he won't be bothering us today. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and this is the On Belief podcast. No, it's not. What is it? Armchair Apocrypha. That's right. It's Armchair Apocrypha, the podcast where armchair experts tell possibly true stories. Yep. <laughs> hopefully you can't hear him barking back there. Um, he is a little bit loud. Um, it is hot as fuck. It is. It's very, very warm. Um, it's also very warm in here. Yeah. Uh, our AC has not been dealing very well with the uh, the heat. Um, we have been having a few issues, but hopefully they will be over soon. Fixed on Tuesday? Hopefully they will be fixed on Tuesday. We're getting a new outdoor unit, indoor unit, and thermostat. Oh, so yeah. um, hopefully that will take care of any issues. But better. Or else. Um, if you are capable of stopping global warming, I would, uh, ask you to do that now, um, <laughs> before it gets any worse, because um, I'm not enjoying it. Yep. How was your week? My week was good. Yeah. That was nice. I like kayaking. Aside from people quitting on you? Yeah. I don't want to talk about no. that. It makes me depressed. Where did you go kayaking? I like Herod's Creek. Herod's Creek? Yeah. Okay. I don't know where that is. It's, um, like, it leads into the Ohio River. It's in Prospect, Kentucky, basically. Prospect, Kentucky. Yeah. You also saw um, Toy Story 4 yesterday? Yes. How was it? It was really good. Oh, yeah? It was. And I was, like, crying on, out both eyes, which yeah. doesn't usually happen. I was, like, bawling. I never saw 3, so oh. I didn't want to go see 4. 3 is so good. I believe you. But 4 is, like... It got me right in the spot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. I think I saw Cameron tear up too, Aww. and I know that Amy sniffled. Yeah. So, everyone's crying. And then there was the kid in the theater who's like really into it. Yeah. But no one got mad at him because he was like really, it was really cute. Yeah. It wasn't too much either. Well, good. Mary and I went and saw Midsummer on mm -hmm. uh, Thursday, which is a very different kind of movie. Yeah. Um, very sustained tension for about two hours. And then we went and got a Waffle House and talked about it. Nice. And made plans for what we would ever do if we went on vacation and found ourselves in a cult. And what would you do? Um, I have a plan. 
Oh, you're not going to say that loud? No. Oh, okay. I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> then I'm excited. When, when the cult has kidnapped me, then they'll be like, here's his plan. Here's what, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Smart. That was a test in your past. <laughs> What's your plan? I haven't you thought it through yet. kidnapped by a cult. <laughs> uh, to sneak out in the middle of the night? That's all I got so far. That's all, all I'm going to tell these people on the podcast. <laughs> huh. I'm going to sneak out during the day, then they won't know. Oh, yeah? <laughs> we'll sneak out at noon. Yeah, at noon. Nobody will High suspect noon. a thing. Um, one of my friends wanted me to draw attention to something on the podcast. Uh, it's a little different from what we usually do, but let me find the link real quick. Whenever our internet decides to load. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, uh, if you follow the channel, I think it's Ask an Atheist on YouTube. Uh, he just did a video a few days ago. There is a trans woman in Egypt, uh, who is being held in a man's, uh, men's prison. Um, go check that story out. If there's anything that you can do, if there's anything, um, if you know any way of helping, uh, go check that video out and, uh, uh, see... I, I don't I don't even know what to tell people to do yeah. just like go check that video out uh, educate yourself a little bit um, figure out what to do and go do it um, so yeah that's it yeah. uh, do you want to get into today's episode I really do cool uh, I will be doing a request from Abigail what was your last name was it uh, V Abigail V I'll be doing a request from Abigail V. Uh, she asked that we talk about the Rainbow Coalition. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of it? No, but it sounds no. interesting. Uh, do you know who Fred Hampton is? Freddie? No, not yeah, Freddie. I know him well. <laughs> or we go way back. Or is he a bad person? Then we it, don't go way back. He's, he's a good guy. Okay, then yeah, we're um, best friends. Fred Hampton was uh, the face of the Black Panther Party uh, mm. in Chicago in 1969. Okay. Um, he <laughs> called uh, for a revolutionary solidarity coalition uh, that was called the Rainbow Coalition for short okay. um, between members of the Young Patriots Organization and the Young Lords. Um, these were the original three groups in the Rainbow Coalition. So the Black Panther Party, most of you know That's what they stand for. Yeah. Uh, the police would harass people in the inner city. Uh, the Black Panther Party um, saw that there was material need, that uh, people in black and African-American communities weren't receiving. And so they set up their own kind of sources, their own uh, weekly, monthly, daily material aid network in order to help people um, get food, get books, uh, whenever somebody would get pulled over by the police, they would show up and uh, keep an eye on things, make sure that the police weren't harassing anybody, weren't beating anybody, things like that. Um, so Fred Hampton was the face of that uh, Black Panther Party in Chicago. Uh, the Young Patriots organization was actually uh, kind of that for white people. Mm -hmm. um, so it was an American left-wing organization, 
and it grew out of the Students for a Democratic Society, which we've talked about before, mm -hmm. and probably why Abigail requested this. Mm -hmm. um, the Young Patriots were white people in the inner city who were setting up job support systems for young people who were who had immigrated uh, to Chicago from rural counties so that they could get housing, they could get jobs, they could get um, food, things like that. Yeah. Um, the project uh, also was known as Jobs or Income Now, which was, um, it was centered around unemployed people in Chicago um, and was an attempt to organize the unemployed. Uh, and so Joyan, Jobs or Income Now, uh, would eventually also become part of this Rainbow Coalition. Um, one thing that uh, came up recently is that the national director of DSA was trying to talk about the Young Patriots organization because she shared a meme in which a white person was wearing a Confederate flag jacket, which is not a good look for DSA Anything. or anybody. Yeah. Uh, the Young <laughs> Patriots wore a Confederate flag on their blue jean jackets and berets um, while fighting against racism in the city. They were anti-fascists. Uh, they weren't part of ARA or a uh, AFA networks. I'm not sure if those existed in the 60s. Uh, but they were fighting against racism while wearing the Confederate flag. But eventually they realized that wearing the Confederate flag made other people in the Rainbow Coalition nervous because it looked like they were racist. Yeah. And so they stopped using the Confederate flag as Smart. their symbol. Um, so if people in the 60s and 70s could figure that out, maybe you can too, uh, is all I'm saying. Um, the next organization that we're going to talk about is the Young Lords, which was a national leftist human rights movement, um, and it was catered towards uh, Latinx and um, Puerto Rican issues in Chicago. Um, and so it was headed by Jose Cha Jose Chacha Jimenez, which is a great oh. nickname. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know any Chachas. I don't either. Um, and Jose Chacha Jimenez uh, was kind of acting as the leader of the Rainbow Coalition. Um, he was the one who basically set what their agenda is, um, what they were going to tackle on any given day. Um, and so even though Fred Hampton was the face of the Rainbow Coalition, Jose Chacha Jimenez was kind of its administrator. Uh -huh. um, there were other organizations who would later join the, um, the Rainbow Coalition. Rising Up Angry uh, was one. This was an anti-war um, anti coalition. Uh, Mothers and Others was also an anti-war coalition. Um, and... Uh, there were many other networks in um, Chicago who all joined this coalition. Um, basically, they wanted to organize each of their things around their shared connection through class. Um, and so each of them had their own network where it was like the Black Panthers and the Young Patriots and the Young Lords. Um, but they wanted to work together with other orgs as well in order mm -hmm. to further common goals. Okay. Um, this would all end um, when Fred Hampton was assassinated by the FBI. Yep. 
familiar. Which I think I may have mentioned this in the uh, CoIntel Pro episode, uh, but um, bears going back to. Um, so in 1969, after he had organized this Rainbow Coalition, which was putting together uh, all of these different organizations, um, Fred Hampton, uh, his house was raided during the night, um, and he was shot by an armed police uh, officer. Uh, the raid was organized by the office of Cook County State's attorney, Edward Hanrahan, um, using officers attached to his office. Uh, Hanrahan had recently been the subject of a large amount of public criticism by Hampton, who had made speeches about how Hanrahan's talk about a war on gangs was really rhetoric, rhetoric used to enable him to carry out a war on black youth. So he can't say, you know, we want these black youth, we want them, we don't want them on the sidewalks, we don't yeah. want them in the mall, anything like that. But if you say, no, they're gangs, then people are like, oh, they're gangs, we need to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, so Hampton had criticized him, and apparently Hanrahan was uh, pretty angry about it. Uh, at 4.45 a.m., they stormed into the apartment. Uh, Mark Clark, sitting in the front room of the apartment with a shotgun in his lap, was on security duty. He was shot in the chest and died instantly. A uh, single round was fired from his gun, caused by a reflexive death convulsion after the raiding team shot him. This was the only shot that the Panthers fired during the raid. Automatic gunfire then converged at, a, at the head of the south bedroom where Hampton slept, unable to awaken as a result of barbiturates the FBI infiltrator had slipped into his drink. Uh, he was laying on the mattress in his bedroom with his fiancée, who was nine months pregnant with their child. Ugh. Two officers found him wounded in the shoulder, and fellow Black Panther Harold Bell reported that he heard the following exchange. That's Fred Hampton. Is he dead? Bring him out. He's barely alive. He'll make it. The injured Panthers claimed to hear two shots, which Hampton supporters claimed were fired point-blank at Hampton's head. Mm. According to Johnson, one officer then said, he's good and dead now. Um, so Fred Hampton, murdered by the FBI, um, that was kind of the beginning of the end for the Rainbow Coalition. Uh, they attempted to... Um, to build treaty treaties between uh different uh factions in chicago uh they wanted to put an end to gang wars gang violence through different treaties uh because they they thought that at the end of the day uh richard da j daly who's the democratic party um machine in chicago uh was using the gang wars to consolidate his own political positions uh, they thought that the police were using these gang wars as an excuse to uh, brutalize and harm people in their communities. Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted to focus on the things that they could do for each other rather than hurting each other. Um, and so at the, the end of their stuff, um, they were able to reduce conflict within uh, the different communities in Chicago but they were never able to uh, eliminate it altogether. Um, after Fred Hampton died, uh, the Rainbow Coalition kind of uh, ended. Um, Fred Hampton was an amazing organizer, um, and without him, they really couldn't hold it together for very long. Um, yeah. So that, 
That was not a deep dive into the Rainbow Coalition because we could be here for several hours talking about it. But for people who don't know about this, I just uh, thought it was really important to get the basics down. Okay. Um, so that's my episode. Okay. Well, mine's a little lighter. Oh, yeah? By that, I mean a lot lighter. A lot lighter. I just wanted to talk about one of my favorite people ever. Yeah. Beyonce. Beyonce. So I thought I'd just give a little background. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the beehive. Yes. I will talk about that. <clears throat> no, I don't go into everything. Like, I don't even mention about her movies or anything. I just am highlighting big parts in her life. Because okay. for being, like, 34 or whatever, she has done a shit ton. What has she done? A lot. All right. So, <laughs> Beyonce Knowles was born in Houston, Texas, to Tina Knowles, a hairdresser and salon owner. And Matthew Knows, a Xerox sales manager. Okay. Beyonce's name is actually a tribute to her mother's maiden name. I think it's like, um, I can't remember how. So she had a sister, Solange, that we all know who's younger. Mm -hmm. So Solange and Beyonce are actually the first sisters to have both number one albums. Okay. That's never happened before or after since, I don't think. Um, I don't know if the Simpsons have. Like Jessica Simpson's and Ashley Clips. I don't think so. Jackson 5, maybe? Um, well, it said sisters. Hmm. Are the first sisters, not siblings. I don't know. Um, Beyonce attended St. Mary's Montessori School in Houston, where she enrolled in dance classes. Her singing talent was discovered when a dance instructor, uh, when dance instructor Darlette Johnson began humming a song and she finished it, able to hit the high-pitched notes. Beyonce's interest in music and performing... And, per and performing. Wow, this is going to be real long for me today. <laughs> uh, continued after winning a school talent show at the age of seven, singing John Lennon's Imagine to beat 15 and 16-year-olds. Okay. So, in the fall of 1990, she enrolled in Parker Elementary School. She would have been... Sorry, did I say she was 34 or 35? Because she's definitely like 39. I don't remember. She's born in 81, so okay. she's not 34. She's like 39. She's 39. Yeah. She's almost 40. Almost 40. Yeah, her birthday's in September. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so she enrolled in Parker Elementary School, a music magnet school in Houston, where she would perform with the school's choir. And then she also attended the high school for the performing and visual arts. And she was also a member of the choir at St. John's United Methodist Church as a soloist for two years. Okay. Now let's backtrack a little bit. So when Beyonce was eight, she and childhood friend Kelly Rowland and Latvia Robertson were at an audition for an all-girl entertainment group. They were placed into a group called Girls Time, T-Y-M-E, with three other girls. And they rapped and danced on the talent show circuit in Houston. After seeing the group, uh, R&B producer Arnie Frager brought them to his Northern California studio and placed them on Star Search. I remember that being a thing, but like, I Star Search? it was gone before like I've really watched TV. I know. I, I remember seeing episodes yeah. of it. They might have been reruns or something, but yeah. I remember seeing episodes of it when I was young. The largest talent show on national TV at the time. It's probably like American Idol today, you know. Yeah. Um, Girls Time failed to win, and Beyonce later said the song that they performed was not good. <laughs> In 1995, Beyonce's father resigned, or resigned from his job to manage the group. So the move reduced Beyonce's family income by half, and her parents were forced to move into separate apartments. The dad cut the original lineup to four, and the group continued performing as an opening act for other established R&B girl groups. 
the girls auditioned before record labels and were finally signed to Electra Records, moving to Atlanta Records briefly to work on their first recording, only to be cut by the company. But I think this is pretty common a lot, especially for like things that happen. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. This further put a strain on the family, and Beyonce's parents actually separated. Um, in 1996, the girls began recording their debut L- album under an agreement with Sony Music. Um, the Knowles family reunited, and shortly after, the group had a contract with Columbia Records, which nice. we are all familiar with. Um, the group changed their name to what we now know, Destiny's Child, uh-huh. in 1996, based upon a passage in the Book of Isaiah. That's all that they really say. It doesn't say, like, why, though, why they did that. Okay. Um, in 1997, Destiny's Child released their major label debut CD, Killing Time, on the soundtrack to the 1997 film masterpiece, Men in Black. Um, the following year, the group released their self-titled debut album, scoring their first major hit, No, 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 which I remember fondly at the skating rink. <laughs> um, so the album actually established the group as a viable act in the music industry. Um, they did pretty moderate sales and winning three and winning the group three Soul Train Lady Soul Awards for Best R&B Soul Album of the Year, Best R&B Soul or Rap New Artist, and Best R&B Soul Single for No, No, No. Okay. So then they released their multi-platinum second album, The Writings of the Wall, in 1999. And this is featured some of the group's most widely known songs, such as Bills, Bills, Bills. Um, their first number one single, Jumpin' Jumpin', which I totally remember. <laughs> and, of course, Say My Name. How can you not? You can't change the station when that comes back on. Uh-huh. Um, which became their most successful song of all time and were, would remain one of their signature songs. See, I even forgot that was on there. Um, Say My Name won Best R&B Performance by a duo group with vocals um, and Best R&B Song at the 43rd Annual Grammy Awards. So LaToya Luckett uh, and Robertson Latvia became unhappy with Matthews, the dad's uh, managing of the band and eventually were replaced by Farrah Franklin and Michelle Williams. And we all kind of know Michelle Williams. If you're a parent, please don't manage your, your child's career. <sighs> yeah, it's That's... not fun. You need distance. Yeah. You need uh, managerial and artistic dif- uh, distance. Mm-hmm. Beyonce experienced depression following the split with Latvia and Latoya after being publicly blamed by the media, critics, and blogs for its cause. And I remember that. I was just like a wee kid. <laughs> her long-standing boyfriend left her at this time. The depression was so severe it lasted for a couple of years, during which she occasionally kept herself in her bedroom for days and refused to eat anything. Beyonce said that she struggled to speak about her depression because Destiny's Child had just won their first Grammy Award and she feared no one would take her seriously. Beyonce would later speak of her mother as the person who helped her fight it. Um, And this is when the fourth girl, Franklin, was dismissed, leaving just what we know as Beyonce, Kelly Rowland, and Michelle Williams. Mm -hmm. So when the third album came out, Survivors, released in May of 2001, LaToya and Latvia filed a lawsuit claiming that the songs were aimed at them. Um, of course, this album spawned their number one hits, Bootylicious, that we all love, and of course, the title track, Survivor, the latter which earned the group Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance. Um, After releasing their holiday album, Eight Days of Christmas, in October 2001, the group announced a hiatus for to further pursue solo careers, right. and this is where things get interesting. Not really interesting. We're just <laughs> learning more about her life. So, and 2001, like, that's when everyone broke up. Or around that time, in sync, Backstreet Boys all broke up around within a couple years of there. Well, the time for that kind of pop music was kind of coming to an end. It was. Um, all right. 
Beyonce's first solo recording was a feature on Jay-Z's Bonnie and Clyde that was released in October of 2002. Her first solo album, Dangerously in Love, was released in 2003 after Michelle Williams and Kelly Rowland had already released their solo albums. Um, that album sold 317,000 copies in its first week, debuted atop the Billboard 200, and has since sold 11 million copies worldwide. Um, the lead single, Crazy in Love, featuring Disney, became Beyonce's first number one single as a solo artist in okay. the U.S. So then, see, I'm not... I think I'll get into this a little bit, but I'm really just talking about, like, her life persona because they are pretty private people. Um, so then, of course, she releases her second album, B-Day, which I love. What a great name for an album for her. Uh, release on September 4th, which is her birthday, uh-huh. to coincide with her 25th birthday. Um, mm-hmm. It became her second number one album. And then on April 4th, 2008, so two years after that, Beyonce married Jay-Z. Every, they, you know, I don't know if you remember, but they were always speculating for being together, but no one really knew. And then all of a sudden it's like, surprise, they're married. I don't remember that at all. That's all right. It's not that important. I, she, I don't have my finger on the pulse of uh, pop culture. I know. It's fine. She, it's probably for the best. <laughs> she publicly revealed their marriage in a video montage at the listening party for her third album, I Am, dot, 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 Sasha Fierce. Um, that album was released in November of 2000, November 18th, um, 2008. The album formally introduces Beyonce's alter ego, Sasha Fierce, which I love. Um, it was, this album was met with like mediocre reviews and I don't know why, cause it's a really good one, but okay. whatever. Um, so Beyonce embarked on a world tour then the next year. Um, sh- this world tour consisted of 108 fucking shows. Damn. And it grossed almost $120 million. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for I Am Sasha Fears, uh, ch- 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 Beyonce received 10 nominations for the Grammy Awards. Um, she tied with Lauryn Hill for most Grammy nominations in a single year by a female artist. Okay. Um, so, of course, after doing 108 fucking shows everywhere, Beyonce announced a hiatus from her music career in January, heeding her mother's advice to live life to be inspired by things again. During the break, she and her father parted ways as business partners. Good. I don't think that they left on bad terms. I think they're still friends, but okay. I'm not really sure. Or at least cordial. Beyonce's uh, musical break lasted nine months, and she visited like different cities and different parts of the world because she can, because she's rich. Um... So in June of 2011, she became the first female, female, first solo female artist to headline the main pyramid stage at the 2011 Glastonbury Festival in over 20 years. Okay. And then her fourth studio album, Four, was released two days later. So a little more into the personal life. On January 7th, 2012, Beyonce gave birth to her first child, a daughter named Blue Ivy Carter, yep. who looks just like her fucking father. Um, doo-doo-doo. That's not important. Um, so on December 13th, 2013, Beyonce unexpectedly released her fifth studio album on the iTunes store without any prior announcement or promotion. I do remember this. So basically, like, everyone went to bed one night, and then you woke up, and, not, and Beyonce had an album that just came out and music videos to go with every fucking song. I remember Twitter um, around 1 o'clock in the morning was yeah. like, wait, what's this Beyonce album? Yeah. 
The album debuted atop the Billboard 200 chart, giving Beyonce her fifth consecutive number one album in the U.S. This made her the first woman in the chart's history to have her first five studio albums debut at number one. Beyonce received critical acclaim and commercial success, selling one million digital copies worldwide in six days. Nice. And those, uh, those songs are so good. So on February 2016, a couple years later, Beyonce released Formation, and it's accompanying music video exclusively on the music streaming platform title, which her husband runs or mm-hmm. owns. Um, she performed Formation live for the first time during the NFL Super Bowl 50 halftime show. The appearance was considered controversial as it appeared to reference the 50th anniversary of the Black Panther Party, and the NFL shocking forbids political statements in its performances. Which so is bullshit. subtlety, subtlety. Uh-huh. So on April sixteenth of that year, so two months later, Beyonce released a teaser clip for a project called Lemonade. Um, it turned out to be one hour film, which aired on HBO exactly a week later, and um, it had to do with obviously her Lemonade album, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Lemonade was streamed one hundred and fifteen million times through Tidal, setting a record for the most streamed album in a single week by female artists in history. Yep, it was good. It was. It was very good. And then on June 13th, 2017, so the year later, Beyonce gave birth to twins Rumi and Sir Carter in California. Do do do. So on April 14th, 2018, Beyonce played, she was supposed to play in Coachella the year before, but her doctor said she couldn't because she was a little too pregnant and said best not to. So they scheduled it for the next year. So on April 14, 2008, Beyonce played the first two weekends as the headlining act of the Coachella Music Festival. Her performance on April 14th att- was attended by 125,000 festival goers, was immediately praised on the multiple media outlets, describing it as historic. The performance became the most tweeted about performance of Weekend One, as well as the most watched live Coachella performance and the most watched live performance on YouTube of all time. The show paid tribute to black culture, specifically historic black colleges and universities and featured a live band with over 100 dancers destiny's child also reunited during the show don't know if i bring it up <laughs> but basically they released on netflix and everyone got to watch it mm-hmm. and it is fantastic and i got really confused because their outfits changed and i realized they did the same show two nights in a row with two different colors. <laughs> um but it was really good so the bayhive is the name given to beyonce's fan base Fans were previously titled the Bay Entourage, which... <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. That's the name bad... Bayhive derives from the word Beehive. Oh, this explains it. Purposely misspelled to resemble her first name. Beehive, Bayhive. I say Bayhive, but you can say Beehive. And was penned by fans after petitions on the online social network Twitter and online news reports during com- competitions, I guess. That's not important. Um... Basically, so Beyonce and Jay-Z, I just like skipping through this, have been together since 2003, and they were married in 2008. They've never broken up, but we all know about their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, they are known for their private relationship, although they have appeared to become more relaxed in recent years. Both have acknowledged difficulty that arose in their marriage after Jay-Z had an affair. And I didn't know this, but apparently Beyonce suffered a miscarriage around 2010 or 11, describe, and she described it as the saddest thing she has ever had to endure. She returned to the studio and wrote music in order to cope with the loss. 
In April 2011, Beyonce and Jay-Z traveled to Paris in order to shoot the album for the cover of four, and she unexpectedly became pregnant. Um, MTV estimated that by the end of 2014, Beyonce would become the highest-played black musician in history. Um, this became the case in April 2014, actually. So she beat it by, like, eight months. Wow. Um, in June of 2014, Beyonce ranked at number one of Forbes Celebrities 100 earnings list and an estimated $115 million throughout June of 2013 and 2014. Blah, blah, blah. As a couple with Jay-Z, they have a combined net worth of $1.16 billion. In July of 2017, Billboard announced that Beyonce was the highest paid musician in 2016 with an estimated total of $62.1 million. So that's a little bit about Beyonce, but that's more of like Sasha Fierce than Beyonce. Okay. So here are some fun facts about Beyonce. Fun facts. Beyonce's favorite makeup is mascara, and she's allergic to perfume. Oh. Beyonce's vocal range spans 3.6 octaves, and it's classified as a mezzo-soprano, so she can go really high. I can see that. The word bootylicious was added to the Oxford English Dictionary due to her same-name song becoming such a huge phenomenon. Necessary. Yes. Beyonce's bodyguard once broke her toe by standing on it accidentally while trying to protect her from a crowd of fans. And the best one I like, there's a fly named after her. In 2002, research scientist Brian Lessard discovered an unnamed species of horsefly in northern Queensland, Australia, and named it Sca- Scaptia beyonce something <laughs> because of its unique golden hairs on the fly's abdomen. Researchers called the specimen the all-time diva of flies, which okay. I love. I vaguely remember that story when it came out. About the fly? Yeah. I think it's hilarious. But that's a wee bit about Beyonce. And to be honest, as much as I love her, I try not to, not that there's anything to look in her personal life, but I don't really care about her personal life right. too much. Just think it's unhealthy. I saw it, yeah. When people are like, oh my God, she changed her hair. And it's like, mm-hmm. you don't know her. I did like, see her in concert in Chicago yeah. years ago. It was beautiful. But I don't need to know... Like, in all honesty, I kind of forget what her children's name are, because that's not important. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't know where they go to school or anything. You don't need to know no. where Beyonce's children go to school. No. No. I don't get paparazzi sometimes, yeah. especially when it involves children, but whatever. That's a story for another day, I well, guess. Well, it's money. Like, they'll take photos of anything and then sell it oh, to the I paper, know. and I, people I will buy why. it. And it's like, <laughs> Ugh. You just, you as a consumer, you as a person, you don't need to know that. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. But yeah. Beyonce. Beyonce. I just to talk about her. <laughs> you have a platform. Go ahead. <laughs> so we've done your favorite show. We've done your mu- favorite musician. What are we going to do next? My favorite movie. Your favorite movie? Maybe. It's one of Hitchcock's, isn't it? I was going to say, have I talked? I feel like I've talked about Hitchcock on here. I have to look at my folder. I don't think that you've talked about Hitchcock. I think I tried once and then I got too overwhelmed and oh, I okay. stopped. So maybe I'll look at I'll look at it. That I, makes sense. I would do a Hitchcock film. Okay. Um, so next week I will probably be back to either Badass Women or I may do like a deep dive on the Young uh, Young Patriots or um, the Young Lords or something. I'm not sure yet. Well, I'm excited to see what it is. Yeah. I'll have to decide sometime this week. Yep. Um, yeah. That was a good episode. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, uh, you're
getting so many text messages. Yeah, it's, well, it's all good. So popular. <laughs> yeah, my God. People know you're talking about Beyonce. Yeah, and they, they just do. Wanna... <laughs> they want to know. Uh, we're going to get out of here. Rachel has things to do today. Mm, birthday parties to attend. I'm going to recover from the week. Um, yeah. Sounds great. Cool. Uh, you can find our website at uh, absentheactivismarts.wordpress.com. We have all of our podcasts. We have uh, music from Joshua Paul Brooks and um, uh, Chet Osman. Joshua Paul Brooks actually did our new uh, intro and outro song. Um, so go, if you enjoy our uh, intro and outro, go give his other music a listen. Uh, we've got artwork from Katie White. Um, we have uh, both my books are for sale. I've got links to those on the website. Um, I've got free short stories on Medium. All of, all of, it, all of it is linked on our website. Um, if you want to follow us on Facebook, we are at Absinthe Activism Arts. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Absinthe Act Arts. Um, we only have like three followers, so. Uh, I forgot we had a Twitter, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Um, we don't share very much on Twitter just because there's not very much we can no. uh, share on Twitter. Um, we're very much a long form group. Yep. Um, I am on Instagram if you want to see pictures of Mercury. He's very cute. He is. Uh, it's AWM Rights. Um, I'm on the Fediverse at AWM Rights uh, on Mastodon and uh, Diaspora. Um, we have a Patreon if you want to give us money so that we can make better podcasts and uh, pay the people who make art for us. Um, it's uh, Absinthe Activism Arts. Um, is that everything? Sounds great to me. Okay, cool. I should really make a script for these outros. Yeah. 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 Eh. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We will see you in uh, we'll see you next episode in a couple weeks. Um, we love you, and thanks for listening. Bye. Mortar shells have deafened My ears, but the ringing has lessened Dreams I've dreamed, they've threatened My sanity at your presence is a blessing For you make me forget The times tragedy and I had met And the nights I'd awakened in sweat it Seems the years before you were my greatest debt darling, look above The moon fits the clouds like a glove Honey darling, 
my love Sometimes I fish the sky for what I'm thinking of Cause my tongue stays tied in knots This feeling inside, can I ride it to the top? My hands have closed the gates Now we're inside, let's love and leave it up to fate 